tremendous chus, a merit and opportunities for us to have Reb Nassim Maimon, who's one of the great promulgators of of Torah to the English-speaking community. Since 1987, he's headed the Breslov Yeshiva Meir Sharm's English-speaking uh, programs, teaching and counseling worldwide. That's something really amazing. There are over 5,000 shurim that are streamed from his website. That's quite a lot, 5,000. <laughs> BreslovTorah.com with translation and explanation of all major Breslov works. And, uh, of course, besides exposure to this special individual, it's great, especially for Rosh Hashanah, to get a little uh, Tom Breslov, the depth of Breslov, the, the joyfulness of Breslov, the, uh, the Simcha Sachaim that I always see when I, when I run into Breslovers, try to, try to get a little bit of Tom from everybody. I remember the good days when my Rebbe Rablachman used to share, amongst all the other things he shared also, Breslov Tars, which stayed with me. Just one more thing that caught my eye in, in the bio, which I think is very relevant, is that uh, the Rav studied closely with the leading breasts of elders of, of previous generations. So, you know, there's so much out there in all things, and it's always important to know where people come from, where, where their traditions are, where their Masora is, because we're all links in a chain. And uh, so it's very hush that we have uh, some part of that chain of the, not just the breasts of today, the breasts of yesterday, and with no further ado, Welcome, Maimon. Thank you for coming. Shalom Aleichem. <laughs> the world has changed dramatically from when I was growing up. There was no such thing as Chappelle's uh, 68 years ago. And just watching the change taking place in Klal Yisrael, Kanayna Hara, I remember one of my Rebbe's, Reb Michal Dorfman's once said that years ago, again, 50, 70 years ago, if someone would open up a, would want to open up a yeshiva for Balei Tshuva, there was a lot of pushback from a lot of different directions. There were many parents, certainly American parents, who at that time, you know, people who had come to the United States from different countries before the World Wars, after the World Wars, and became very Americanized, which meant in many cases people leaving their Yiddishkeit behind stories about people dropping their tefillin into the ocean at Ellis Island, you know, before people were told that in the United States you have to earn a living. This religious stuff, you know, forget about it for now. And, and about 40, 30, 40 years ago, my Rebbe said like a Ruach Tara came down to the world and the Balchufa movement took off Kanai Nahara. And at, at that time, he was saying, a person puts up a sign, yeshiva, and right away it's full, Kanayinahara. People are coming, people are thirsty, they want to hear. And the opposition has died down quite a bit among parents, among parents and relatives, in terms of if a, if a young man exp or a young woman expresses a curiosity, they want to know about their Yiddishkeit, it, it's not looked upon as terrible as it was in the beginning in those days. And... My, my close friend Yossi Lanton tell, has told me and tells me a lot about what goes on here. Kanayna it's incredible. Hashem should help that the Hatzlacha should continue of the yeshiva here and all, all such yeshivas. We're, we're in a season now, started Rosh Chodesh Elul and continuing through Yom Kippur for starters, 40 days, which the Torah calls Yemei Ratzon. The term Ratzon means goodwill, days when Hashem is especially, especially 
feeling goodwill towards us. And the Torah tells us that this goes back thousands of years ago when the Jews fell out of Hashem's goodwill after, after witnessing all the miracles in Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsuf and then Matan Torah, the incredible love that Hashem showed for us in giving us His Torah and the miracles that took place over there at Har Sinai. And then we fell. We fell, we got involved, and we left Hashem. We got involved in a golden kif. There's a Pesach in Shir Hashirim, Libavtani bi'achas me'enayich. Hashem says, you loved me with one eye. We were standing under the chuppah at Har Sinai, a wedding between Hashem and the Jewish people. The ksuba, the marriage contract, was the Torah, and one eye on the Torah, and one eye already planning our getaway, our escape. That's the way the Torah presents it. And Hashem was obviously a, a husband whose wife has one eye on him at the chuppah and one eye looking for a way out, obviously extremely upset, very angry. And Hashem said then, as he said on certain other rare occasions, he says to Moshe Rabbeinu, get out of the way, I want to destroy them. We'll destroy them and we'll start over. And Moshe Rabbeinu being the loyal servant Hashem that he is and the loyal leader of Klal Yisrael won't let it happen. And he goes to bat for the Jewish people, 40 days of intense tefillah, starting from Shiva Serbetamuz, till <coughs> Shiva Serbetamuz is when he broke the Luchos, he came down, witnessed the Egel Azov, goes up to heaven for 40 days, comes back down with, with no positive response from Hashem, goes back up for another round, another 40 days, which finishes on Yom Kippur, and that's when Hashem says, Solachti kidvorecha. I have I forgive the Jews based on your words, based on your tefillah, your words. And and the Shulchanara quotes the Gemara saying that because of this, because Moshe Rabbeinu achieved this incredible success from Rishchodesh Elul, Tilium Kippur, of being able to turn things around completely, to take Hashem from a point of being very angry at us, seemingly wanting to do away with us. And Hashem saying, these 40 days were declared days of goodwill, an opportunity for any person who feels that for whatever reason they're not in Hashem's good graces or they fell out of Hashem's good graces and want to come back in, this is the opportunity. These are called from Rosh Chodesh El through Yom Kippur. Now the word so here we're talking about a time a time, an ace ratzon. And we know there is such a thing in Yiddishkeit. It's mentioned in many places. We know that on, Shab- on Shabbos, when we make Kiddush Friday night, in Shmon Esrei, we say, Bi'ahava uvaratzon hinchilonu. Bi'ahava uvaratzon hinchaltonu. That Shabbos is one of those special times when, when Hashem's love and goodwill towards us and also, our yearning for Hashem, our desire for Hashem, is at a high, at a special high place. On Shabbos at Mincha, it takes a leap, a giant leap. That's the one day a week, one time in the entire week, that we say, Va'anis filosi Hashem eis ratzon, that I'm presenting my tefillah to you, Hashem, at this incredible opportune time. Because Shabbos itself is called Tchila Lemikrei Kodesh, we say Friday night. It's the top, the highest one of all the Jewish holidays. With all due respect to Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, very, very important days, 
but in some respects, Shabbos is higher. The penalty for Shabbos is skila, for desecrating Shabbos is skila. It's only Shabbos. All other holidays, the penalty is less because the Kedusha of Shabbos is so high. What makes it so high and special? This Ahava and Ratzon, this love and goodwill that Hashem feels towards us and that we could feel towards Hashem. Now this term Ratzon has, uh, like many other words in Lush and Kodesh, has multiple definitions and interpretations. We said Ratzon means goodwill, and Ratzon also means a Jewish soul. The soul, the nefesh of a Jew, is called Ratzon. Where do we see this? Rashi says in Chumash that when Avram Avinu is negotiating with Ephron to purchase the Nora Samach and he says to Ephron, and to the Bnei Ches, Im yesh es nafshechem, if you are willing to allow me to bury my wife here, then please sell me this real estate. And Rashi says on the word, Nafshechem, Ritzonchem, your Ratzon. And this is an incredible, enlightening point, because you ask most people, how would you define a Neshama? How would you define a soul? Could you, could you tell me? Put it into some kind of words that I can relate to. And it's pretty difficult. But here we have a Rashi that gives us a very clear definition of the nefesh, of the soul, that the nefesh is the ratzon, the will, the will and desire of a person, which is incredibly powerful. We know there's a famous statement in the Gemara, Ein dovor ome bifnei haratzon. There is nothing in existence as powerful as willpower. When a person, when a Jew turns on their willpower, I want something, I really want something. When a person really wants something, it happens. It's incredible. Just to give a a tiny example that comes to mind, one of my close friends, who's originally from the United States, moved here to Israel years ago, the the home is an English-speaking home only, pretty much. They moved to Israel, so they use a little bit of Hebrew words, sprinkling of Hebrew, but 90% one of their children decided he wants to go to a Yiddish-speaking school. And, and when I heard about it, I thought the odds of this, this is a real, only Yiddish-speaking school. And I thought the odds of this, it, it's like ridiculous. It's, it's totally, totally impossible. Well, he's in his second year in that school, and doing great, doing very well. And we're talking about a, a young boy, 15, 16, 17 years old, who made up his mind he wants to do something, and that was it. There was no way, worked on it, not for 10 years, 50 years, maybe months, several months, listening to it, concentrating, doing whatever it took, just using this as an example. This term, rotsoin, this term, rotsoin being the nefesh, the essence of a person. There's a famous Rambam where people are familiar with this, that there are certain lo'aleinu, there are certain situations in marriage where people have a terrible falling out and the Besden decides that it's the right thing for this couple to get divorced, that they must get divorced. And the husband says, no thanks, not interested. And they try to convince him and he won't allow himself to be convinced. And the Gemara says, We know that in order for a person to give a divorce, in order for it to be real, it has to be done willingly. Willingly. He has to want this. 
Beratzon, with goodwill. What if he says, I don't want? So the Gemara says that there are certain times where we beat him up until he says, Koifenoi, so we force him until he says, Roitzani. So the famous Rambam who says, that's ridiculous, come on. He, he says, is that called Roitzani? Could you say that he won, that he really wants? The only reason he's doing it because you beat him up. And the Rambam says, let me tell you a secret. Let me tell you a secret. Each and every one of us has a nefesh, a Jewish soul. That Jewish soul is a chelek elokam imal. It's part of Hashem himself. That soul wants to do the right thing, period. So then how could it be that we're doing so many wrong things? How could it be that we're making so many mistakes? You know, we're the wrong, thinking the wrong kind of thoughts and saying the wrong things and doing... How is it possible? The answer is because we have opposition. We have the Sahara, we have tests. The whole purpose behind Hashem creating the world was for the sake of man, because man is the only individual in the entire creation that has free choice that has the ability to want good or want bad, to want to do the right thing or want to do the wrong thing. And, and therefore, the, the Rambam says, each and every one of us, deep down inside, we really want to do the right thing. But sometimes our Yetzirah, our evil inclination, gets in the way and turns us, and sometimes the only way to get that out, get that out of us, in, this, in the case of this particular person, was beating him up to, till he says, Rotsani, and you're seeing what he really, really wants, what the real person wants, in a sense. That's the real person. When you saw, and this is an incredible message for us regarding the process of tshuva, regarding life in this world. People very often are trying to think, what do I want? What do I really want? You ask a person, what do you want? And people will come up with all kinds of different answers. What I want. I want to be a success. I want wealth. I want, I want people to like me. I want all kinds of different things. The Mishnah says in Perkiovos, Batel Ritzoncha Mepnei Ritzono. That our mission in this world, our mission in life, is to investigate, to find out what does Hashem want? What does Hashem want? And then to, to, to change, to take my nefesh, my ratzon, and train it, train it, that despite all the things, I want that second ice cream, I want that third, I want, I want to stay in bed, I don't want to get it, I don't want to go to shul, I, I want to sleep now, I want to sleep a little longer, that kind of thing. That despite the different thoughts that I have of what I want, I, I want to do what Hashem wants. I want to fulfill the will of Hashem. Ritzoni, the Gemara says, in fact, one of the rabbis in the Gemara said, Ritzoni lasos Ritzonecha. What I really want is to do your will, but so'er shebe'i But he said, I have this opponent, I have this angel who's working against me 24-7 to try to push back and to try to convince me that's not what I really want. I really want to stay in bed. I really want that third ice cream, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All of these things that really aren't that good for me. So here there's a point of each and every person trying to figure out who is the real me, which is the real me, and which is not the real me. So that when we talk about the process of tshuva, when we talk about a person returning to their roots, 
when we talk about a person getting back on track or getting onto a good track, when a person realizes that they're not on the best track, that kind of thing, we're talking about a person realizing, again, what's the real me? What do I really want? And, and if a person says, again, a person, an adult, a person who's very mature, we know as people get older, as people get older, most people, healthy people, normal people, as they get older, they realize that some of the things that they wanted as a child, they've outgrown that, they've matured, and they realize that there's, there's more important things than that. There's more important things than another toy. You take a person who's 20 years old and you buy him a set of toy cars, you know, little cars, a, a, a BMW, let's say, that's, you know, one inch to one inch wide and long, this, that, and you say, I bought you something that I'm sure you'll appreciate. I heard that you love cars, and, that, and, and I buy him a set of those cars. It's going to be very insulting, right? Because, of course, I love cars, but that, that's, I, I've outgrown that. I'm, I'm, I'm into bigger cars. I'm into different size cars and different make cars. Those cars cost $3 a piece. I want the one that costs 300000 you know, etc. And, and again, different levels of maturity, different levels of growing to, to know what, what, what should I want? What should I really want? And again, using this as an example, you could imagine that there are people who are 20, 30 years old. I, I remember driving in Florida and in Los Angeles and seeing a man who looks like he's 75 years old and he's driving a bright red sports car, I don't know what, to, or, or a Bentley or something bright red, and he's riding like he's on top of the world. Mamash, he made it. He has achieved the ultimate success in life to be driving this car that costs half a, whatever it is, half a million, whatever it is, just like that, and, and again, he can dress any way he wants. He doesn't care about what anybody thinks of that, that kind of thing. But a person with a little bit more seich, a little bit more intellect, that's success? Is that success? Is that having made it? Is that called having made it in life? And again, one of my friends, a close friend, told me a while ago, a friend who's a member of the Syrian community in, in Brooklyn, in, in Deal, New Jersey, he told me he was once driving through a cemetery in Staten Island, a Jewish cemetery, to go to his parents' grave. There's a custom people go sometimes during the month of El before Rosh Hashanah to be mispalel at, at, at graves of parents, that kind of thing. He was driving slowly, and he's driving through a cemetery, and he sees a stone with a name on it. And he stops the car immediately, and he's looking, and he can't believe it. This was one of the wealthiest people in the community, a person who owned maybe 30, 40 buildings in Manhattan. Talk about what, what we're talking about in terms of wealth. And he says, I don't want to mention the person, he says, this is him? This is him? This stone that's, you know, two feet by four? This is, this is the buildings and everything? This is where... And it, it's this level of, of maturity, a realization of, of a mission in life, a purpose in life, and, and giving a little bit of thought to looking around the world, the world around us, a person who, who really, who wants to open their eyes and be honest a little bit, has to come to a conclusion that this world didn't come into being by two stones knocking into each other billions of years ago with dinosaurs and fat, all, all of those things, that there's something more behind the creation, there's the, how this world came into existence and how everything in the world 
is, is existing and advancing. There's got to be some higher purpose to it. And here, that a person, if a person were asked, could you summarize the whole Yiddishkeit in one word? There are people who would say Torah. But Torah isn't really one word. Torah is, is fat millions of pages. Could you do better than that? Make it a little more clear. Make it easier for me a little bit shorter. Could, you shrink, could we shrink the Torah to its most basic elements? And the answer is yes. There's a Gemara in Marcus where the Gemara says that there were different tzaddikim who tried to shrink the Torah to its more basic elements. And one got it down to 11 points. There's a chapter in Tehillim, chapter 15 in Tehillim. Hashem mi yogur ba'oholecho. Who will be worthy of Gan Eden? And it lists 11 points there. Then another rabbi got it down to six. And then the Gemara says, Bo chavaku kanovi ve'emidon alachas. Chavaku kanovi came along and he shrank the Torah to one point. That if I were asked, what's the most basic, basic element in, in Judaism in Torah? Emunah, the word emunah. The, he quoted the Pasuk, V'tzadik so yichia. A tzadik lives with emunah. Now how do we define emunah? Emunah in what? And how do we define emunah? Here, <coughs> We know that the Torah begins with the words Bereshis bara elokimis hashemayim v'soretz. In the beginning, Hashem created heaven and earth. In the beginning. So this is step one. The most basic point in Emuna is that there's a Hashem. He created the world from complete nothingness. Yesh me'ayin. Something from nothing. Complete nothingness. Can anyone explain that to me? Can anyone clarify that to me, how that, how that could work, how that's possible. To the best of my knowledge, no one, no one, no mathematician, no scientist, no makubal can explain how that happens. That's something that we cannot understand. It's beyond our comprehension. And Hashem wants it that way. Hashem wants certain things in life, certain things in Judaism, for us to know that right now the human mind is limited. Right now we're not playing with a full deck, as they say. We're told there's going to come a time in the future, there's going to come a time in the future when our eyes are going to be opened, we're going to be given a completely different level of knowledge, understanding, and then some of these questions which today we cannot, cannot understand, then we'll be able to understand those things. And, and this is why one of the dangers... People, again, there are people that like chocolate, there are people that like cars, there are people that like philosophical questions, philosophical discussions. And, and just like chocolate and those things, a little bit can be healthy, and, and too much or the wrong kind can be extremely unhealthy. A person delving into certain types of philosophical questions which the Torah says, the Gemara warns, that we're, we're required to stay within certain boundaries in order for a person to have a healthy understanding of Torah, of Hashem, of life, required to stay within certain boundaries, and certain questions that we might have now are outside of those boundaries. We need to know that we don't know, that certain questions cannot be answered right now. If a person... This is what the term emuna refers to. Emuna means in that which I don't understand. If I understand something, it's not emuna, it's chachma. I know it. 
Emuna means in that which I don't see, I cannot see, and I cannot understand completely, and yet I have the ability to accept it. And Hashem promises us, the Torah tells us, Ve'erastichli be'emuna v'yodates Hashem. That there's a two-step procedure in Yiddishkeit. That a person has to, and, and it, it really applies to everything. You get a child in school, starting a new grade, going into seventh grade. They just finished sixth grade, and the kid feels like he knows everything. We know there are children who, when they finish first grade, they think they know everything already. Nobody can teach them, nobody can tell them anything new. Then they go into second grade, and they have new, a new, new books, and a new machberet, a new notebook scratch, and the kid's thinking like, you know, what are they going to teach? What, what are they going to tell me now? I learned everything. I covered everything. And, and if, the, if the person doesn't go into that class with a willingness to accept what the teacher says, but rather the teacher makes a statement, I have a question. There are people that do that, that, that their nature. They'll be quiet. Listen. First listen. First you have to listen to a certain... Listen and be willing to accept that this teacher who's 20 or 30 or 40 years older than you and more experienced, it's very possible that they know things that you don't know yet. As smart as you think you are and as much as you think you know everything, to be willing to listen carefully and absorb and obviously listen carefully to see is, it tr- is what they're saying making sense or not. Can, can it be true, or does it sound like something totally false? We know that the world, that this world, the Torah calls it Olam HaSheker. I mentioned many times in speaking different communities that I'm walking on in, in the Iratikar, I'm walking in Meyashorim, and there's a sign there, Rechov Meyashorim, but on bottom it says Sheker. All over and others, we are surrounded. Olam HaSheker means the entire world. The entire world, this world is an Olam HaSheker. It's a topsy-turvy world. This is an introduction that we're given to understand life. You're coming into a place where you're going to see things. People say seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. It's the exact opposite. What you see, the Torah tells us very often, what you see is going to be the exact opposite of truth. You see headlines. You see the people who are making headlines. And that you would think that these are the most important people in the world. They're the least important in many cases. And you see people who aren't necessarily making those big headlines. They're not called stars or superstars. And, and they could be the more important or the most important people in this world. But again, this requires, it's a, it's a three-step procedure, actually. Because we say in Kriya Shema, MS, and, uh, between Kriya Shema, because if we say we're going to start with emuna, if we say that step one is faith, to believe, you believe in Hashem and I believe in a tree, and you say it's, emuna is something that I can't see and I can't understand fully, what's to say that your emuna is any more valid than mine? So, so then, then where, do you, where do you begin? Where do you, the answer is you begin, it has to start with emes. It has to start with a certain level of honesty. And again, the Torah defines Hashem, that Hashem Elokeichem Emes. Hashem is Emes. The Torah is called the Book of Truth. Emes, Torah's Emes. The Torah is... Now, in the Torah, we're told, the Gemara says about the Torah that the Torah can be Samchaim and Samovis. The, to- the Torah can be interpreted correctly 
or incorrectly chas v'shom. The Pesach says, V'zos ha-Torah asher sum Moshe lefnei b'nei Yisrael. This is the Torah which Moshe Rabbeinu placed before the Jews. It doesn't say he, taught, he placed it. The Gemara says, sum, sam, sam means poison, and sam means medicine. The Torah can be an elixir, it can be a medicine, it can help a person improve every single aspect of their life, and the Torah can be something that people use to develop a shrewdness to trick people, to use it against people, to put other people down, to do the opposite of what Hashem really wants. So here we're told that, again, a person has to try within this olam hasheker. I'm in a place that I'm told is wall-to-wall, I have to try to search for emes, to seek emes, and to be honest, to be honest with myself. It begins with the person, because the Gemara warns us that it's very easy for most people to see what's wrong with everybody else, to see fault in everybody else. What's most difficult is to see my own faults, that kind of thing. But here we're talking about a level of honesty, a person being able to spend a little time with themselves, being honest. All the Sfarim speak about cheshbon anefesh. We know people run companies. Sometimes a person is running a company and they're selling merchandise and they think they're doing great. And then they call on the accountant at the end of the year to do that. And the accountant says that this year you've lost $3 million. The company has lost... He says, you're nuts. I've got, time for, I've got to get a different accountant. Because I, I can show you sales. I'll show you sales. and say, You're right. You did all of these sales, but you didn't realize your expenses, and you didn't realize some mistakes, did all kinds of different things. So, so the, this concept of a cheshbon anefesh, a person allowing themselves time to think, to think over, what did I do today? What did I do today? Or what do I want to do today? What am I trying to accomplish? And why? Why? Is, it, is there a real reason why I should be doing what I'm doing? Or could I do better? Or are there things that I'm doing and I'm doing them as not... And maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's time that I stop doing certain things because it's hurting other people or I'm hurting myself. And in this world, there's tremendous potential for them. So we're talking about starting with a level of emes, and the Torah promises that emes ve'emunachokvaloyavor that these two go together. If a person has a level of emes truth, that will help them choose correctly what to believe in and what not to believe. And, and the Gemara says this: the concept of nikorin divrei emes, that a person who is honest, who is really honest with themselves and honest in general. They, they'll be able to tell when somebody's pulling their leg, when somebody's fooling them or not fooling them. They'll be able to tell whether something is really true or not. And then the Torah says that this combination of emes and emuna leads to ve'erastichli be'emuna v'yodates Hashem. That once a person has those two, they'll get to understand Hashem. They'll get to learn a lot. Our Torah is vast, and every page of the Torah, if you're learning it correctly, will open your eyes, it'll enlighten you to get to understand more about what Hashem is all about, what we are all about, what life is all about. <coughs> and here there's an incredible obstacle that most people deal with that a person says, doesn't sound that difficult, what, what's so hard? And the answer is that there's a, there's a concept of people 
developing habits, number one, and a person getting old. The, the, there's a Pasuk in Koheles where it defines the Yetzirah and it defines the Yetzirah The good inclination, the bad inclination. The Yetzirah is called Melech Zokein Uksil. An old foolish king. That's how the Torah describes the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah the good inclination, is called Yeled Miskein Vechacham. A young child who's intelligent. This term old, getting old, people getting old, is, is something that, that holds people back in an incredible way of developing, of succeeding. The, the drive, that drive to succeed, the drive to learn new things, the desire to... to the, 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 the Torah defines Yiddishkeit. We mentioned Emuna. The Pasuk says in Eicha, Chadoshim Labekorim, Rabba Emuna Secha. New, brand new, every morning, lots of faith. The Torah is teaching us a secret that if a person wants to be able to develop faith in Hashem, faith in the Torah, if a person wants to succeed in Yiddishkeit, one of the most important things is this Chadoshim Labekorim brand new every morning. A person would say, like, why did Hashem create... Hashem, those of us who believe Hashem created the world, He created man, why did Hashem create us in such a way that we have to go to sleep at night and get up in the morning? And What, what for? You know, if Hashem wants us to learn Torah, let's say, or He wants us to accomplish, He's cutting our, our, our productive time by a third. Some people sleep eight hours a night, six hours a night, four hours, different, different levels. Why, why did he do that? Is there any benefit in that? And the answer is there's an incredible benefit in that. This term, hishachus, new, brand new, which is one of the secrets of success in tshuva, in life, when the, the, the Pasuk and Eicha, which speaks about tshuva, it, which all of us are familiar with, Hashivenu Hashem Eilecha Venashuva, Hashem, please allow me to return to you, to get back to my roots, to get back to who I really am. How? Chadesh Yomenu Kikedem. New, renew, renew me, help me, be, help me be new. We know that in Judaism, we define a month, it's called Chodesh. Chodesh Miloshin Chadash. The Gemara tells us that the other nations of the world are compared to the sun. The sun is basically stagnant, meaning it doesn't get larger or smaller depending on different time. The moon is changing every single day in terms of how we see it. In the beginning of the month, it starts off tiny, tiny, and it grows throughout the month until the 15th of the month. Then it gets smaller, smaller, till it's just about to disappear. And then the molad. Molad means it's born anew. The moon is born anew. And we, the Jewish people, are compared to the moon. In what way? That we have this ability. We have this ability, and, and this is part of the secret of our success. The ability to go to sleep and to wake up. And wake up not the same person. The person who goes to sleep, if they have any kind of healthy sleep, when I get up, I'm not the same. We make a bracha, hamachsir nishamos livgore mason. The Gemara defines sleep as a 60th of death. It's death and trias hamason, getting up, new life, brand new life, new, new opportunity. 
this is what this is what real living is all about. It's about a new beginning. Every day is an opportunity for a new beginning. Every month we say Horachman on Rishchodesh. We say Horachman who yechade shalenu es hachodesh azel eto Hashem, please new month, new. Want to be new, and then Rosh Hashanah, Horachman who yechade shalenu es hashana hazos letov avavrocha. This is telling us something about what life is really, what real living is all about. There's, in English, you have the word to exist. A tree, a building exists. An animal exists. You have the term living, life. Chaim, the term to, to live. That's a completely different league, a completely different level. And this concept of living requires this newness, this ability to renew, this ability to start, make a new beginning all the time. I remember I was once talking to a very successful businessman, one of these Syrians, and his name is on a number of buildings in Eretz Yisrael, yeshivas, shuls, and he said to me, I was in his home, one of his, a beautiful, beautiful home in Brooklyn, and another home in Deal, New Jersey, another home in Florida, another home in Israel, and he said to me, Rabbi, you should know, that I, there was a time that I didn't have a token to get onto the subway. And I tried, I started a business, and it failed. And I started another business, and it failed. And then I went and started a third business, and it was a home run. He opened up a department store in the Bronx, and very successful financially, etc., etc. And this was an incredible, important lesson about life, about life for all of us. Again, living. A person wants to live, not just to exist, person wants to live has to be prepared that Hashem created the world that a cycle is night and day. That's a complete cycle. Darkness and then light. The Gemara says first there's darkness, then there's light. First, I don't know something. First, I'm in the dark. And then if I have a willingness to learn, if I'm willing to sit and listen and have a certain level of emuna, trust, and know where to put that trust, where do I want to put that faith? Who do I want to believe? Do I want to believe this religion or that religion? Do I want to believe reform, concert, orthodox? If a person is willing to listen, to, to, to strive for that emes and emuna, and a person comes to a realization that they made a mistake. There are many people in the past... 50 years or so that I've been teaching, I've met many people who were totally unaffiliated at first, unaffiliated with Judaism. They didn't know what Yom Kippur was. They never heard of it. And then they started off in a reform synagogue because that was where they, that was, that was the only thing that was where they lived. And they came to a realization that this didn't seem to be that authentic. It, they saw contradictions, different things. Then they went from there to conservative, from there to modern orthodox, and so on and so forth. A human being is allowed to say, I made a mistake. I thought X, I grew, I matured, I got older, and now I think Y. It looked to me like this was the truth, or this was the ultimate truth. I matured, I got older, and I see that there's something better. Nothing wrong with that. Rabbi Nachman once made a statement. He said that the world thinks that a tzaddik cannot make a mistake, and if he makes a mistake, he's no longer a tzaddik. And he said, I disagree with both of those things. I say even a tzaddik can make a mistake. And if he makes a mistake, the mistake is a mistake. And the tzaddik is a... We don't put an X through that person. That person's gone. That person's off the list. A person can make a mistake. A person can grow. They realize. 
and especially if we're talking about Torah, which is in, we're talking about Hashem who is infinite, and we're told that the Torah and Hashem are one, which means the wisdom of the Torah is infinite. It could be that at a certain point in my life, this is how I define the truth based on my limited knowledge at that time. And then I learn a little bit more. I go through a year of learning and I'm in a different place. And there's nothing wrong. That's normal. That's healthy. That's normal. There are people that get married and when they first get married, the husband and wife are in a certain place in religion, let's say. And then one of them, the husband or the wife, starts learning more, growing. And the other one says, one minute, I didn't buy into it. When I married you, you weren't like this. That's not a problem in religion. That's a problem in defining life. You mean you thought you married a stone? You thought you married something that, that's not, that's, that's not going to change? It's going to remain? That, that's what we got married for? That's what we're in this world for? To remain this, to stay in one place? If a person's staying in one place, one of the rabbis once said, if my Kriyashma today is the same Kriyashma as yesterday, then I'm ready to have my head, put my head down on a guillotine for them to chop off my head. Why? Because if Hashem gave me a new day, a new day to live, He expects a new Kriyashma. He doesn't want yesterday's Shma. He doesn't want yesterday's. And in fact, this is an incredible, interesting point. We'll close with this. The, the most basic declaration of faith, faith in Hashem, is Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Right? But in reality, what, what if we left out those first two words? What if we just said Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad? What's wrong with that? That's, what's the Shema Yisrael? What's the announcement? Who are we making this announcement for? And Reb Nossin, Rabbi Nachman's closest student, says, I'll tell you who the announcement The announcement is for you, for me, for each one of us, that we're getting up in the morning, we're saying Shema in the morning and the evening to remind ourselves that the, my connection, the, the Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad of, of the morning is not the same one as the evening. It's a different, I'm in a different place. I'm moving, I'm growing, I'm trying to advance. And, and the Shema, and that's, when, when does a person say, everybody listen? When does a person make an announcement? When they're going to say something new. If a person says, hey, everybody listen, the sun is going to set today and it's, we're going to have evening. person belongs in a hospital, a mental hospital, right? It, making an announcement, announcing that there's a change. When there's a change, you make an announcement. We say Shema Yisrael every day, twice a day, three times a day, to remind ourselves that there's a change. There's a change. My emuna is not staying in one place. My connection to Hashem and I myself don't want to stay in one place because I am a chelik elukami mal. I am a part of Hashem. I am ratzon. I have desire. And if, if, my, if I don't allow the desire, my desire to shut down, there's nothing in the world that I can't accomplish. The Torah promises, ain't over omed Shem should help that all of us should stay young to, to hold on to our youthfulness and, and the thirst. There's a, there's a famous Gemara, a Mishnah, a Gemara that says that a person who drinks water when they're thirsty, they make a bracha, shehakol niya What if you're not thirsty? What if you're not thirsty and you drink water? You're drinking it to take a pill from it. You don't make a bracha. So one of the rabbis once said, the Torah is compared to water. If a person's learning Torah with a thirst, knowing that every day is something brand new, what I know till now, 
doesn't exist. New page. I'm opening a new page every day. That Torah has bracha to it. That Torah is blessed. If a person doesn't have that thirst, that thirst, that desire, chas v'shom, then they, they miss out on that bracha. Shem should help that all of us should have the bracha and, and take advantage of these special days, special these 40 days that we're in now. There's still 10 days till Rosh Hashanah. Then there's an Aseris Yemei Tshuva. And then there's a Sukkot. And then there's a Simchas Torah. The climax, the person says, like, where are we headed? Where are we really headed? person knows, Elul, we're told, is a time of great seriousness. Aseris Yemei Tshuva, even more serious. Yom Kippur, the epitome of seriousness. And then what? And then we go into Sukkot, which is called Zman Simchasenu. And then we go to Simchas Torah, which is the ultimate joy. Because that's what Hashem really wants. Hashem wants us to be happy, really happy. And true happiness is Torah. Pikudi Hashem Yesharim Esam If a person is learning Torah properly, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you very happy because you're going to know you're on a good, healthy path. True tefillah, v'simachtim beveis tefillasi. A person praying properly is happy because I'm talking to the creator of the world. A friend of mine once wanted to have a photo shop with, pres- with the president. I think it was during the time of Ronald Reagan. He paid $15,000. It took about three months for the Secret Service to investigate him to see if they're going to allow him to be in the room with the president for five minutes. He wasn't allowed to initiate any conversation. If the president, no, no, no asking questions. If he asks, if he tells you something, you can respond other than that. And again, it was five minutes or so, and the president is dead and buried. He's gone. He, be, he lost his presidency after four years or eight years, and then he passed away like every human being. And we are in a position, we are able to speak to the creator of the world, person who, who thinks about that for a moment in terms of the joy that that should give. And that's what Hashem really wants. He wants us to be happy, genuinely happy. And that's what we're moving towards. But there are steps that lead up to it because healthy happiness, a healthy relationship, is a combination of Yira and Ahava. The Torah says, Reishis Chachma, Yiras Hashem. Step one in the relationship with Hashem or even a relationship with people is respect, respect fear, a certain fear of consequences. A person has that, it leads into an ahava. The word yira, yud resh aleph hey, the aleph hey of yira is the aleph hey of ahava. It's a natural pro- progression. That if we start off with the respect, the elul, the aserah it will lead into a sukkah, a simchas Torah, where we express our, our ahava, deep love for Hashem. Wishing everybody a wonderful elul, tishrei, to close the year on a good note and the new year should be better and better.